One way to make more money with your store is to increase your average order value. The sales motivator from Bold might just be the one app that every store should have to increase AOV. The only requirement is that you have special offers. I'm sure you do, but are you doing a good job of motivating your customers to use those special offers? So let's say you offer free shipping at 50 bucks, or you're fancy and offer a free gift at $100. The sales motivator is the one app that tells your customers exactly how much more they need to spend to get to that offer. And it does it every time they add something to their cart. So imagine this, customer adds something to their cart and a message appears saying, you're only $19 away from free shipping. And they add something else and it says, you're only four bucks away from free shipping. So we tried it. It works. We saw a 30% increase in average order size just from this app. And it gets better. Bold Sales Motivator automatically adds those free gifts to the cart when they hit the goal. And it lets you schedule messages to start and stop for your holiday promotions. The most important one of all, it adds geolocation. So it'll only show certain messages to specific countries. So let's say you only offer free shipping in the United States, right? You wouldn't want that free shipping message to show in countries where you don't offer it. Bold Sales Motivator lets you do that. The folks at Bold are smart cookies, and they have thought of everything. So try it free for 60 days by signing up at ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. No, what's the worst thing your mom's called you? My mom was annoyed that I have, it's my parents, they have four kids, I have three siblings, and my mom was annoyed that we were using so much toilet paper, and that she was clearly not buying toilet paper at the rate she needed to be buying it. And one day, she screamed down from the upstairs, I swear to God, this is the shittiest family. (laughs) Meaning, the family that shits the most, Mm -hmm. but that's not how it came out. And my mother, a very kind woman, has never lived that down because anytime she ever makes a complaint, one of the kids is now like, I know, mom, we're the shittiest family. Why do we even come around and see you? And acts very faux offended by it. When I was 12 or 13, I believe, I don't know, I was early teens. My mom got really mad about something smart ass, I said. <laughs> and she said, You son of a bitch. <laughs> and I could not stop laughing, which that diffused the situation. Oh, that diffused the situation, because normally that should cause. Well, I think that's all I remember. I don't know. Some dark times. <laughs> so the, uh, how are your ear mites? I don't have ear mites. What do you have? You have ear drops. I have been sick for a little, about a week now. I have ear infections. I get ear infections fairly often. It sucks. Have you thought about just getting the, the hole permanently in for the, to drain it? No, it's just when I get allergies. I get it like twice a year. 
Yeah, but they gave me eardrops instead of pills. And I'm like, just give me the pills because I've learned I hate eardrops. Uh, yeah, putting anything in your ear is not fun. I get really bad earwax. But when you get that earwax out, it's like the size of a marble. And it's very satisfying. Well, and I think that's one of the problems is my ear had a lot of earwax. So the drops weren't getting to where they needed to go. And so the ear wasn't getting better, but I was still doing the drops. And this morning I did some surgery on myself mm-hmm. and I think I cleared a path for the drops because I feel a lot better today. Yeah, self-surgery is always a good idea. <laughs> did you ever see Ronan? It's great. Uh, so last Sunday we went to Ravinia, my wife and I, and uh, another couple. And Ravinia, if you're not from Chicago, is this outdoor uh, amphitheater venue that is the craziest thing. It's on the north shore of Chicago. It's... You'd, you'd have to experience it. It's the most unconcert-like experience. But the sport, at Revi- you can get, like, pavilion seats. And most of the time, you don't want the pavilion seats. You want the lawn. And the lawn, there's a huge screen where you can see the performer, and they have speakers throughout the lawn. The whole thing feels very luxurious. Uh, yeah, and the weird thing about Ravinia is the, the stereotype of Ravinia, it's North Shore, liberal elite, sipping white wine on the lawn at Ravinia while... A symphony plays Aaron Copeland. Yes. It, but they've expanded who plays there now. So it's like three days after the symphony, it's 50 Cent. Last year, 50 Cent did a 30-minute set. <laughs> and they charged a premium for it. The craziest thing. But like the sport at Ravinia is you do the most you do the most elaborate picnic setup you can. Like I saw a guy carrying he had like they had a full outdoor rug under one arm instead of a blanket. And I could see they were carrying fresh flowers, and they had the full candelabra. Like, some people take it to the extreme. We have a portable wood picnic table, and that's as extreme as I want to get. Because you still got to lug that stuff back and forth to the car. But anyway, uh, go ahead. I want to note for the record, I hate Ravinia. When was the last time you were at Ravinia? <sighs> I went, I don't know, like three or four years ago. Who'd you see? I don't know, some crap that would play at Ravinia. <laughs> No bands you ever want to see would play at Ravinia. Future, future story excluded. I don't want to sit on a goddamn lawn. Paid money. Give me a seat. It's far as far as hell away. Not far as hell away for you because you live in the middle of nowhere. I got. It's hot. Yeah, I'm I 20 wanna, minutes from Ravinia. I'm not sitting outside. Parking's terrible. I got to sit on a lawn. Bring my own food. Just That's like, the best part. You don't have to pay for the concert d- food. Just like bake in the sun while some crap band I don't want to see plays. And you could bring your own alcohol. Ugh. A couple of worth brought a 10-year-old bottle of Dom. It's like it takes an hour to get there. It takes an hour to get home. No, it took. Uh, it was 20 minutes to get there. Because you live five miles away. But that's not Ravinia's fault. It's Ravinia's fault because it's too far away from anything else that's good. Anyway, we saw Weird Al. So for anyone who was a kid in the 90s, 80s or 90s, you loved Weird Al. The th- and I thought, you know, it'd be fun. And we went for nostalgia. It turns out Weird Al is a Lady Gaga level performer. He had a 41-piece orchestra and did a costume change for every single song, and for four songs, like, got in the audience and was running around messing with people. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I, I guess I walked in with low expectations, but I was utterly blown away. I never thought I would be singing Weird Al's praises as, like, one of the, the greatest performers alive. That's the coolest thing. I greatly enjoyed it. Uh, all right, so that... Covers my Weird Al experience and your ear mites. Housekeeping. Uh, is anybody going to Clavio's Boston conference 
It's at the end of September. I it looks like I'm going to go. So if you're going, uh, look for the Camo Blazer. I'm gonna do some try and do some podcast interviews while we're there, and I'll throw a show note, uh, a link to the the conference in the show notes. As always, we need topics. I love doing the listener topics, like because Paul and I've been doing this a decade. So it, it's very easy for us to get lost in the weeds. I need to know what you need help with. So if you don't tell us, we don't know. So reply to my emails, comment. I got a pinned post in the Facebook group on official Shopify Podcast Insiders. I got a, a pinned post where we're asking for questions. And some of them are easy. I just answer it like right there in a comment. Let us know or you know, at me on Twitter, however you want to do it. It helps dramatically. And I love, I love being able to, to answer those questions like within a week of getting them. Right around the corner is is Black Friday. Computer, how many days until Black Friday? Black Friday will occur in 119 days on Friday, November 29th, 2019. The sophisticated stores, the smart stores, the people who don't procrastinate are actually getting started right now. They're starting to think about planning it. And certainly... Certainly any store changes that they're doing, they're getting them done. Yes. So it's you need to have... You need to know your plan for what, how you're going to handle Black Friday. But right now, realistically, is your last chance to put into place any of those things that get the store in the best possible position for Black Friday. So that is the topic today. We cherry-picked those questions that we think relate to that theme, relate directly to uh, getting your store ready to make the most money possible on Black Friday. You get one day a year in e-commerce to just... Really pull out all the stops and go sail wild. And so let's let's talk about that today on the show. You got anything? I'm just worried that, you know, my ears are all messed up. So I'm like that Will Ferrell character that can't control the volume of his own voice. So it's like, I don't even know what I sound like. <laughs> uh, well, the, looking at the levels, you sound fine. And yeah, you just fix it in post. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll fix it in post. I'll you, be George Lucas. Just fix it in post. Just fix it in post. The first question comes on Twitter from OA. There we go. How do you know when it's time to switch themes? And how do you change the theme properly so as not to affect analytics, SEO, or conversion rate? Uh, you do it. You just do it when you feel like you got to do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's not like there isn't like a line that gets crossed. Well, there, I, in my mind, there is a line because they're just internally in the theme, it reaches a point where you've poked at it so much that any more poking at it breaks the four previous things you've done to poke at it. And it's like, ah, we're done. I always call them Jenga tower themes. You've, you've moved too many blocks in the Jenga tower and now it's going to collapse. So once you re someone working internally on your site can tell you when you've reached that point. Uh, well, give me a, give me a working example of like what that would look like. Because I we've talked we talked about this when we were going through these questions, and yeah, it really it sounds flippant, but it's like you just it's subjective. You just know. But the Jenga tower example, I mean, that gives you like a that's a technical hurdle. Yeah, it's called technical debt. Technical debt. So I think like an example would be I have a feature like yeah, I really want to implement a mega menu. I know like we our catalog has grown since what we got this theme. And it would make sense to have a mega menu, and we've got way better photos that we could leverage in there. But 
to do that, we have to rewrite the entire header for this theme, and it's going to cost $2,000, and it's still probably never going to work quite right. So in that situation, you go, okay, yeah, let's switch. Or you have the situation like, we've gone through so many iterations of app configurations on this store that now we've just got all this cruft left over, and it's creating problems. Um, or you, we can't update the theme with the theme updater anymore if it's like an out-of-the-sandbox theme because we've just gone too crazy, and it's four years old now. And if you want a hard number, typically a website, minima, a website will look fine for two years, but like at the four-year mark, maybe five years, if it was a really nice design, you're going to start seeing things look, uh, they're going to start feeling a little dated. Well, I think that, and that's the thing, if you're like trying to be very like design forward, like you're trying to make it, because like tastes have changed. Yes. I mean, uh, this is our standard argument that we have between each other. I don't think you need to change unless the site is now technically obsolete. Yeah. If it's technically obsolete and either one, people can no longer buy from your store optimally, like some new device came out that like people jack into their brains and people are buying off the brain jack and your mm-hmm. theme doesn't support brain jacks anymore. Oh no. Yeah. Like then you need to make, make a new theme. Uh, but otherwise if it's working good, you know, we can just poke at it a little bit and maybe, maybe make it look, look a little nicer. And I'll give you an example. It, it depends on your industry. I'll give you an example. If you have ever tried to buy car parts, one of the, the best, most famous auto parts websites is rockauto.com. I'll link to this in the show notes. The website is essentially unchanged since it launched in the late 90s. It is a design horror show, but it still works. And in that niche, you have a lot of guys in garages ordering. So it's like the computer in the shop runs IE6. Yeah. yeah, It's like an ancient piece of garbage. So in that situation, they actually, they don't, it might hurt them to get like a really nice up to date fancy thing that requires IE11 and newer. Yeah. So like there is no. There is no hard answer there. It's subjective. You know, if the theme is more than, if the site's more than five years old, okay, sure, probably update it because it looks dated. If you don't like it, that's reason enough. It's your store. Do it. Uh, Or there's a different theme that's got features you want bad enough that would be hard to implement. Like, you know, I want a theme that has a theme updater. And I, okay, well, you got to switch it out of the sandbox. Or I want a theme with a mega menu. That's a really tough change to implement well. In an old theme, yeah, I that mean, kind of thing. The, the, you know, the mega menu is built on the navigation. We've actually done that. We did that for Adams Polishes, which is you hear us tout every week now because it's our current baby. But it's like, yeah, well, I ripped out the entire st- standard header on Adams Polishes because they wanted they had a specific mega menu demands in mind and a specific header layout in mind. So it was like, all right, we got to rewrite this whole thing. I mean, it came with a perfectly good one, but the perfectly good one that came with the theme wasn't what they wanted. That answers the question, yeah? Yeah. I mean, a theme isn't that... I don't feel like a theme isn't that big of an outlay. Well, and also the question is, how do you not... Does changing themes blow up all your stuff? Yeah, how, did, how do you change the theme properly? In Shopify... Um, Shopify, it's good. You just yeah, do it. You're fine. There, Yeah, most of your content is separated. You have separated style and content, which is, like, ideal on the web. For exactly this reason, but because like your product catalog, your navigation, all these things live separate of the theme, changing themes really should not have an impact on tracking or SEO. The thing it will have an impact on, of course, is conversion rate. But the tough part is if you're saying, and like, obviously you want to keep track of it and mark, 
really, I'll say the only guidance is make a note of when the date changes. So yeah, because you want to see yeah. how you want to see if the new theme. I mean, you chances are the old theme. You know, if you you did a bunch of work on it, you've had it for years. Hopefully, you've done work to keep it up and optimize it, and you've been optimizing it and iterating it along the way. And the new theme coming in might not have all those optimization. Don't have a, might not have all those optimizations in it. And then you know your rate might go down a little bit, and then you got to iterate on that guy and make him better. But you got to know where the line is in order to properly compare the two. And in knowing where that line is, a hundred percent, write down when you made the switch or note it in Google Analytics. Google Analytics lets you annotate uh, dates in your analytics. I love this feature. I wish the Shopify Analytics did this because it is shockingly easy to forget the exact day you switched themes or made some change, and then it makes it really tough to do those conversion rate comparisons. Oh, I, I put on the little note, on the note thing on the Mac, I have the dates of when we launched various things. Oh, okay. So whenever I like to log in and see how things are doing since we did it. So fire up notes.app and note when you make these changes yeah. is the answer. But yeah, as far as the like how to change themes properly, uh, it's fairly hard to screw up. So I wouldn't be fearful of it. Moving on to Alyssa Clare's question. Alyssa said, what are some high ROI traffic options other than paid Facebook, Instagram, or Google? So really what this question is, is saying, okay, what are, what are non-pay-per-click options that are effective? And I think all of the answers fall under PR. This is where I think you would want to, and we'll get into this in the next question, you want to uh, reach out to bloggers and journalists and podcast hosts and even micro-influencers. I think that's the answer, and we'll get into how to do that. Um, but when I, was starting, when I was starting out, prior to this show, I got on a bunch of other podcasts, and really, like, I, this show was born out of that experience and that uh People would say, I'd ask, hey, how'd I do? And they'd say, oh, you were great. You should host your own show. When, like, by the time the fourth person said it, I started thinking, oh, maybe they aren't just being nice. I should actually look into that. But so you've got two ways to get traffic. You can either buy traffic from the traffic store, i.e. Facebook ads, or you can go out and leverage someone else's audience. There is nothing in the middle. There's no, like, I magically generate traffic. You're borrowing, no matter what, you're borrowing someone else's audience. And that's what PR really is. Doing press outreach, you're getting in front of a publication's audience. Podcast, you're in front of a podcast audience. Micro-influencers, you're borrowing their social media presence. So the only way to do it otherwise, uh, outside of that, would be to hustle on social media. And that's such a long game, unless you get really lucky or you're really good at it. You got any thoughts there? I have nothing to add to this. I can just go to the bathroom. This is not my zone. So the, the follow-up on this one is from Kenny Wave Azama. And he says, aside from Haro, which is a wonderful service called Help a Reporter Out, you should check that out, what is the best way to get featured in places like BuzzFeed and other big publications? You know, I, I have been quoted in a few big publications by using uh, Help a Reporter Out, Haro. Um, otherwise, you know, I've not like, been featured or anything like that. And so I went and I asked Ben Parr. I met Ben Parr at Unite this year. We spoke on a panel together at Debrief. He currently works at the remarketing platform Octane.ai. I'm sorry, retention platform. You know, I forget what it does. He is formerly the editor of Mashable. And so I thought, 
Mashable being very similar to BuzzFeed, I thought, all right, well, let's go to the source. I will ask Ben what it takes to succeed with press. I just sent this exact question to him. And he said, all right, here's press 101. Number one, focus press on either announcements or milestones. So you uh, completed a funding round. You've got a big partnership, etc. Create a curated, number two, create a curated list of journalists who cover your industry. So you're not doing that shotgun approach and trying to get everybody. You want to develop a, a relationship with a few journalists that are doing exactly what you need so you can help each other. And he said you need to meet journalists before you need them. So send them a note and don't ask them for anything. Just start trying to develop an actual real human relationship before you need something from them. And he then said super short emails, three sentences max. Which makes sense. I can only imagine the horror show that is a journalist or blogger's inbox. And lastly, remember the golden rule of PR. It's about their audience, not you. So if you're giving them a tip, if you're pitching them on a story, you have to make it entirely you-focused and phrase it as, hey, like this is a thing that will help your audience. Here's why. Tell them about the outreach emails you get. Oh, man. Oh, God. I get so many bad outreach emails. And you've complained about this before, but I've had to hear your complaints about it a lot more this week. So the audience is your therapist, not me. I got a whole bunch of bad ones this week and two really good ones. So the bad ones are what makes the bad ones bad is they're extremely one sided and they're often very long. So it's just like, hey, here's my life story. And then ends with you should give me work. Yeah. Or, or Or just like we have an app. Would you like to see a demo of my app? No, of course not. I got other things I got to do. Yeah, I want to spend 30 to 60 minutes sitting through what's essentially a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, like a fucking webinar I got to log into. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. No, why should I? You have to lead with what's in it for the recipient. You need to make it about them. And so that's why I say the bad outreach emails are very one-sided. And that's what's so maddening about it. It's like if you sat and thought about it for 10 seconds, you go, wait, why would anybody say yes to this? So I got two good ones this week. One guy said, hey, uh, love your podcast, and we or love your podcast. Um, I've got a topic that might work for you. A friend of mine is using one of your apps to launch this cool car parts store where they are crowdfunding carbon fiber parts for cars. And I thought, and you know, this would be, we thought this would make a great topic because you guys like to talk about cars. AKA the most Kurt store ever made. Yes. A carbon fiber car part store using crowdfunder. That's, that's great. That's the number one thing you would want in the world. Yeah, that's brilliant. So <laughs> the, it's very clear. Like it was, they knew that this would work for me and they knew it would make for an interesting episode. And then they said, so do you, you know, do you want an intro? Well, yeah, of course. I, I mean, I replied to that immediately. It said, you're absolutely right. Yeah, let's do it. And the other good one I got, like, I'll get these ones that are just like, can I pick your brain? So I got to spend 30 minutes to just, like, help you with your problems for free? I get why you think I might want to do that, but I, the problem is, I'm, like, I'm getting dozens of those a week. So I gotta, if I said yes to all of them, I would have literally no free time left and no money. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, being smart at this sort of stuff, it's your job. So for people to like ask you to be smart at this for them without paying you, they're asking you to do your job for free. Yeah. And it's like, it, I understand it, but it's also, when you phrase it like that, it's a little offensive. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. 
Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, US-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now back to the show. Hit me. So someone emailed and said, hey, I've got, uh, I'm working on an app for agency owners like yourself, and I'd love to pick your brain about the problems you face uh, with, I think it was like collecting testimonials, but I don't want to waste your time. Tell me, how can I pay for 30 minutes of your time? Oh. So like there, it's extremely transactional. And so the answer was, well, here's, here's the link. You could book a paid call. Looking forward to it. So those were, the, those were the two good ones in a sea of, of many that were bad. Uh, and we've got a couple honeypot email addresses out there that don't go to me. <laughs> and so they go to my wife, and she's like, you would not believe oh, the yeah, garbage the one, you get. The ones that you read are the good ones yes. that manage to figure out the right email. Yes. Yeah, the ones that she sees are literally just like, we make websites too. You should give us work. Send. They always phrase this as a partnership. That's not a partnership. <laughs> Yeah, so really, like the golden rule with outreach emails, if I had to give you a formula, it goes like this. You say, um, you email them, you make it clear right up front that, like, this is not, you say something personal, you want to make it clear that, like, you understand them and their audience, and you offer them a choice of yeses. So instead of just yes, no, you go, hey, like, I would love to, uh, we'll use this guy's, the pick your brain example. I'd love to pick your brain. But I want to make it as easy as possible for you. So three options. Feel free to say no is option one. Option, so you're inviting the no, which re- igno- it, it's just to be polite. Option two, uh, I send you a couple questions via email. If you could answer them and when you get a chance, great. Option three, we could talk for 30 minutes on the phone. And then say, all right, if any of those works for you, reply back with uh, the, a thumbs up and the option that works for you. So then the last step is you make it as easy as possible. So number one, like warm, you focused intro. Ideally in the intro, uh, you can make it clear what's in it for them, for the recipient. Number two, invite the no. So just say, feel free to say no. It's just to be polite. Number three, choice of yeses. Don't just do like one thing. Give them multiple options for involvement. It significantly increases the chance you get a yes. And then lastly, make it as easy as possible for them to say yes. I, the line I always use is reply back with a thumbs up and I'll send over next steps. Or reply back uh, with the option that works for you, and I'll send over next steps. So there's, there's my crash course in outreach emails. So Kenny Wave Azama then asks the follow-up questions. What do we need to do to prepare for Q4? Ad strategy, email marketing, ramping up inventory for holiday sales. I hear most e-commerce businesses start to get their ducks lined up over the summer. So, so yes, those things. <laughs> yeah, he really... <laughs> That's what you do to need to prepare. End of answer. I would start it with like, number one, focus on the store itself. Make sure you don't... You've... Yeah, this, this early in the game, you can worry about... It's like, all right, is my store ready? Is my store optimized? Have I done some heat mapping? Have I done some split testing? I know it works everywhere. I know it works on everything because the store is the base of the entire pyramid. Yeah. And... So you got to be no, You got to be sure that... All the traffic generation, the sales, all the stuff you're going to be doing over Black Friday, it is leading people to a store that is locked in and ready to go. So step one, 
Are you confident and comfortable in the current state of your store? If not, solve it. Solve it now, yeah. So that could be, we've got to spot fix a few things, or we need to do you know, user experience auditing, like uh, heat mapping and that stuff. Or number three, got to throw the baby out with the bathwater, switch to a new theme. So if you can get like get that done out of the way first, you got to be you have to have a good home base. That's your website. You got to be confident in it. All right, so you knock that out. Number two, you need to have a great retention strategy. So you pe- you can drive people to the site, but most people are not going to buy in a single visit. So this is where you want uh, retention marketing. All right, ad retargeting. Facebook and Google Ads will let you retarget. It is inexpensive. It is powerful. And there are apps that will do it for you. Uh, Kit, Shoelace, and Socio will all do this. The, you want a pop-up strategy. So exit intent pop-up. Hey, wait, don't leave. We'll give you, enter your email address. We'll give you 10% off your first order. So uh, pop-up, like Privy is great for, for pop-ups. The, and if you want to get really fancy, you could do SMS remarketing with um, Retention Rocket. Well, in the, 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 Apple Business Chat. Apple Business Chat. Does that do... I don't think that does retention. I don't think you could, like, push to a list, can you? Oh, they have to... They, the user has to initiate it from the store? Yeah, that's more like purely live chat, I think. Oh, okay. So the... Attention, San Francisco Shopify team. <laughs> implement it so it can be used for retention. I mean, that would be hugely powerful. <laughs> so, yeah, number one is, all right, store, get the store in a position where you're comfortable. Number two, focus on retention marketing efforts. So that's, I mean, the traditional stuff is abandoned cart emails, browse abandoned emails, so that's Klaviyo, retargeting ads to bring them back to the site, uh, and exit and 10 pop-ups. I think those are like the three pillars there for retention marketing. Then number three, okay, now it's time to get really confident and comfortable with your, your Facebook ad funnels, your remarketing, if that's solid, great, because once you're actually in like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you want to kill your top of funnel ads because they're about to become outrageously expensive and dump all of your budget purely into that remarketing. So you want to make sure you've got a good, good remarketing funnel going. That's interesting. So you're not so your goal on Black Friday is to not get new buyers. Yeah, it's unlikely that you're gonna find Yeah, because they're just getting they're just getting offers out the wazoo. Yes, and the ad cut, co- like the the bid cost, is going to go through the roof that week. So yeah, so what you want to be do is like you have fields that you've already seeded, and you just want to be harvesting the fields that you've already seeded over the last year. Yes, not new fields. Yeah, October, early November. This is when I want to move all my money into um, top of funnel. So let's let's try and bring as many new customers in as we can then, and get them familiar. And then end of November. You're just hammering people you already got. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. genius. That's that's the best way to maximize your ad budget. You know what? You're good at stores. <laughs> well, after ten years, I would hope so. So yeah, that's. But you need to have like you, you have to have a good funnel that you're comfortable with in advance, so that you could start. Met, once it's actually like at Black Friday that week, now you just change the budget allocation. Yeah, we've talked about this before that it's like multiple, it requires multiple touch points before people actually buy something. Didn't we have a number on that? Wasn't it like three times or something? I've heard it's, it depends on the study, but the one I've always heard is like seven touch points is what's typical. Yeah, so it's like you want, when Black Friday rolls around and you're sending out that crazy ass Black Friday email, you want that to be the seventh time they've seen you. Yes. Not the first time. 
Yeah, or absolutely. Like, you know, you're having Facebook ads on Black Friday. That is, those ads are just going to your audience of your people, and it's the seventh ad they've seen, not the first one. So then your, your final step here, like now you are, you're in the place for this to work. The final step, the thing you probably thought we'd lead with, is now figure out what your promo, what's going to be on sale, what those promotions are going to be, and build out uh, a content calendar. That's where you want just an email, uh, a list of on this date, this email goes out. On this date, this email goes out. And just on down the line. And I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss this far more in depth as we get closer. But we're seriously talking probably, probably like 20 emails here. Oh, yeah. Like easily. 20 different days you're emailing and then also multiple times on Thanksgiving, multiple times on Black Friday. But it also it depends on your vertical too. Fa- some fashion brands, and we I quote this the statistic in our, our holiday email marketing guide, which naturally I'll update and re-release for 2019. It's something crazy like the fashion brands could do up to 100 emails during the holidays. Oh, I'm yeah. just utterly outraged. When I said the number 20, that's the low a end. Bla- uh, yeah, a black. A, if you have a Black Friday Cyber Monday email calendar that involves 20 different emails you're sending out, you are doing the basics. Yes. Yeah, 20 would be like the base minimum. Yeah. The follow-up to that, Bridie Stewart said, how do I convert lookers into buyers? Well, we just talked about it. That's what retention marketing is. So the the mindset shift here is it's not you send people to your site and they buy. It's you send them to the site five to seven times and then they make a purchase. So you get them to the site just so they're aware. Then you get them to the site again just so they're aware. And then... You show them retargeting ads, and you show them a welcome series that has you know four to ten emails in it. Yeah, this goes back back to the thing that almost started it all between us and like our content generation is that is the concept of the chain. The where chain. it's just like on every single visit, you want to move them one step down the chain. It's like maybe they just look at your content the first time, then the second time they look at a product page, then the third time maybe they add a product to cart that they abandon, then the fifth time maybe they'll buy something. After they've like gone through every single step and walked away. So the, yeah, the, the metaphor here is the relationship is only as strong as the weakest link in a chain. And you want this chain to be as long as possible. Every single touch point is a link in that chain. That's not the metaphor. No. But, oh, no. The metaphor is just a chain. Is that one link leads to another chain. It right. goes down the line. Um. Moving on to Zach Cassidy Dorian. He said, hey, what are the top conversion rate optimization techniques for product pages? Top things to be A-B testing for CRO and best ways to test them. I don't even know that I would mess particularly, particularly with split testing on a product page because most product pages have two very obvious areas to improve. So there's, there's three pieces here. Number one, the, the presentation of the product, because I can't see it in person, you need to fix that. So you have to have amazing photos. So photos on white plus lifestyle photos. You need, uh, how about video of it? How about 360? All right, now we have replaced the fact that I can't see the product. That's number one. Number two, you need to sell me on it via the product description. The product description needs to be a sales letter. If it is purely factual, if there's no emotion in it, are, what, are you selling a hardware store? I mean, what is this? You need to actually make a pitch here. They want to be sold on it. Very few stores have invested in good copywriting. That is the number one thing that moves, needles on a bu- moves the needle on a business is great copywriting. And then three, you need social proof. 
So you got to have a bunch of reviews. You need to present them well. You need to have a couple pull quotes from those reviews on the page. And you need to have, uh, ideally, like some press quotes. There. That's If you have anything less than all of that, you don't need to be split testing yet because you already know what will move the needle on that product page. I got one more thing. I think I feel like I see a lot of stores that get try to get real fancy and designing with stuff, and it's actually hard to see what the price is and what exactly is the add to cart button. Oh yeah, like no, the add to cart button it. isn't oh noticeable gosh. sometimes. Like the price is not noticeable sometimes. And if people are like, "What's the price of this?" They're not going to buy it if they don't know what the price is. They're not going to buy it if they're not sure which button versus which button will be the one that adds it to cart. Like, make it big and obvious. I'm going to link to, as an example of a really cool product page, I'm going to link to the, the product listing for Adams Polish's Detail Spray. When you get to this page, you'll see uh, they've got a great product description that really uh, uses a lot of emotion, makes a lot of bold claims. Uh, they've got objection busters, like, hey, here's free shipping and returns. They've got uh, the reviews. There's 156 of them. And then they take it further. They've got um, some great... So much content. Yeah, these three great banner images... They, they, they deserve kudos for busting out all of those giant images and all that content on every single product page. I think it's the first client we've ever worked with that put in that level of effort. For content creation? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I, I thought, okay, yeah, we'll get, like, the top sellers. We'll have this great level of content. Uh, they did it for, what, 100-something products? They did it for every SKU. And quickly. It was impressive. Yeah, that, and... It's a power, a good team. It shows in their uh, numbers, folks. The the dollars are substantial. Well, going back to that, like that theme question and prepping the store for Black Friday, that core theme. You can't design your way past crappy content. If you don't like, if there's just not enough content, you can't get around that. If there, if if the photos if are the really photos poor, are garbage. If there's just like a one sentence description, you can't get around that. You have to start with. The great content. I would rather have the like the debut, just the free theme that every Shopify store starts with, and amazing content, than a thirty thousand dollar custom theme and janky content. Oh yeah, running debut theme with like extremely high resolution, professional looking photos will validate and be a successful business. Absolutely. One final question. Well, here, quick question. This won't be the final one. One quick question. Mary Geraldine asks, how do I optimize my main menu and navigation for sales? This is an easy thing to get right and a thing most people screw up. Paul, what do you say? Make the main menu about sales. Just make the main menu all the things that you would like people to buy. Put your things, put your stuff into like four or five categories and that's the main menu. Yeah. You're done. If your main <laughs> menu has about us, info, returns, our blog, you did it wrong. Yeah. Go to Best Buy's website. Go to Target's website. You know what's in that main menu? Nothing but shopping categories. Yeah. Uh, so, but if you're saying, all right, I already know that, Kurt. Thank you. Most How people do don't I do that? Know. It's true. This is like, <laughs> if I had to pick the number one mistake I see, even on really successful stores, it's this. And the dead giveaway is, the first link is home. Like, ooh. Dead giveaway. <laughs> dead giveaway. And, so what was I saying? Um. All right, so if you want to get fancy with this, the solution is look at your top products uh, by unit sold in Shopify and use that to inform what, those, what order those categories should go in. And if you're looking for inspiration on, like, how do I arrange these categories? What should go in them? 
that's where uh, I would look at your top competitor sites and try and figure out if there is like a common consensus to those categories. Because I think that will probably have trained – if there's a standard, you want to follow it because then people don't have to guess at how to use your site. I got an idea. How about you just make one of the top-level categories bestsellers? That is one of my favorites. And at least your bestsellers collection. If you have uh, – if you launch a lot of new products like apparel stores, doing a new collection is necessity. A bestsellers collection featured on the homepage is a great idea. Um, and certainly if you ever at all have products on sale, make a sale collection – and I, I promise if you heat map it, that will get clicked on oh, yeah. from the Everyone homepage. Will, everyone's always going to check and see what's on yeah, sale. Yeah, they're going to at least check. Well, heck, if, if step one is go to the site and step two is check the sale, we've at least got them to start shopping. That's the brilliance of having that sale link up there. So that covers, that covers our, our Black Friday topic. But if you're saying, man, those are all great ideas, I don't have a lot of cash to spend here. Dylan Glenn asks... Talk about e-com on a very strict or low-budget option, meaning free or low-cost apps that are worthwhile. Most of what I read and you suggest on the podcast is way beyond my budget as a side hustle. An example is email marketing on the cheap or free. Now, you asked me this question, and you weren't sure whether we should tackle it. And then I was just like, all right, let's price it out. And I wrote on the whiteboard, I was like, name the, th- the most basic things you need to run a store and the price of them. And you were like, okay, and you rattled it off, and I wrote a list on the whiteboard behind me. That whiteboard has three things on it. Tell me the three things on the whiteboard. All right, we need number one, we need Shopify, which is 30 bucks a month. Starts at 30 bucks a month for Shopify with the online store. Well, we want to look professional. So, and you said this isn't necessary, that you could just use a Gmail yeah, you address. Could just use a G- you just use a Gmail account. I want the custom branded email, a... Uh, custom branded email through Gmail is five bucks or less a month. Then, all right, we need to. Use, I think you should still use Clavio. There are other options out there that are cheaper. Um, Conversio, I think, is cheaper. But you know, like, let's just go with the big boys because having Clavio makes you money as you grow. And here's the thing: Clavio is thirty dollars a month for up to a thousand subscribers. By the time you've got a thousand people on that list, okay, start. If you want to keep the cost down, you can uh, keep sunsetting the unengaged subscribers to keep it low. And if you've only if you've got a list of a thousand engaged people for thirty bucks a month, I guarantee by sending out weekly emails, you'll be able to recoup that thirty dollars a month. But all right, if Shopify's thirty bucks a month and our domain our email address is five dollars a month and Clavio's thirty a month, we're up to sixty five dollars a month. And I very harshly and meanly said, if you can't afford sixty five dollars a month you shouldn't own a business. Yeah, and I realize I mean, that sounds a, mean, but it's like you kind of got, you kind of have to be a certain height to ride this ride. Like, I don't mean to be a gatekeeper, but it's like, you can't just do it for free. Like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. You know, yeah, I think it's one of those things like, if, you, if you're going to put in the effort, there is a base level required here. I mean, if, if you refer to it as a side hustle, what is a, well, what are you doing when you're hustling? If, I'm, if I wake up all day, got to hustle and grind, that means I'm making money. A thing that you aren't willing to, a money-making thing that you aren't willing to spend, spend some money on, it's not, it's a hobby. It's not a hustle, it's a hobby. Yes. So that's all well and good. If we build this thing, we still got to drive traffic to it. Well, I think that's where you go back uh, to earlier in the discussion and you focus on those outreach efforts uh, that I outlined and Press 101. Because I really, like, we've never spent uh, much money at all ever on PPC ads to run this business. It really has been 
organic efforts. Yeah. Content creation um, and outreach were the two things that drove it. Yeah. I mean, we're not, we don't want, you know, and we're also kind of picky about our clients. So we don't want... Kind of? <laughs> extremely picky about our clients. Yes. And so like any schmo off the street that's on ad is probably not someone we want anyway, given the level of vetting we give everyone. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunities and apps out there. There's also a lot of opportunities to waste money. So when you hear a lot of these suggestions, you go, oh, I can't afford that. That's totally fine. That means like you shouldn't even be bothered thinking about it. Focus on the things you can do. Focus on the things that will move the needle on your business. And then don't worry about the stuff that you know, you're not comfortable with. If you're not comfortable spending the money on it, it means you're not ready for it. And you shouldn't beat yourself up about it. I mean, and how much, how much does Turbo cost? So Turbo is $350. But and, you get 20% off yeah. using code PODCAST20. Use code PODCAST20, and I'll throw my affiliate link in the show notes. Please click it. <laughs> so that takes it down. Uh, that takes 75 bucks off. So that's 275 So it's like you're spending 60 bucks a month on Shopify and other things, 65 and you had the 275 you pay initially for turbo it's like it's under 400 bucks there's like a if, well if you that's can't a one time cost under four, and yeah and turbo's a one time cost so it's like if you can't outlay under 400 bucks to get a business started it's kind of like you, it's not a business you, you know you got to you got to put in some effort and some cash you need to have some skin in the game yeah and i mean and that's not even to say you have to start with turbo i mean the free shopify themes are perfectly cromulent <laughs> yeah no they're well and I would actually, if you're, if it is your first ever online store, I would not start with a big, expensive premium theme because it's going to be overwhelming. The advantage to the themes in the Shopify store is they intentionally limit the number of options in there so that when you open it for the first time, you don't panic. Yeah. Well, and if you're, again, if you're being this cheap, you're, I hope you're just still looking to validate your business. And so that's all you need to validate your business is everything we've talked about. And once the business has been validated, you should be making you should you, be making that much money amount of money a month to cover what we just talked about. And then you could expand into all the crazy apps and all the other stuff that is usually on our topic list when you want to increase your revenue. And you should like with a lot of the the apps distill them down to their core concept and usually there's a workaround for it. So if it's like, all right, you should be doing cross sells and upsells, and you need bold product option or uh, bold product bundles and bold upsell. Okay, don't do that. Instead, you could, if I wanted to do this for free, the workaround would be I create a different product called like, you know, product A B product bundle, and uh, in that, and then the products that are in that bundle, I link to the bundle from their respective descriptions. Yeah. So now I've like I have functionally built a free product bundle in my store, and like it's not fancy, and you're gonna have to do the fulfillment yourself. But that's fine to to test the idea. And if you go, okay, yeah, that works, that makes money. Well, now you should be able be comfortable actually doing the app. So in review, if you haven't started thinking about Black Friday, Cyber Monday, don't procrastinate. Start with step one. Am I comfortable with where my store is at right now? And if not, what do I have to do to get it to a place where I'm comfortable? If you are comfortable, fabulous. Now, look at your retention strategy. And the, big, the wonderful part about that retention strategy is it is going to help you get a higher return on investment on all of those marketing efforts. Then, number three, all right, get really, really comfortable with your uh, Facebook ad funnel 
especially the remarketing, because that's what is going to make or break uh, the the sales that day. And then once those those strategies are are nailed down, number four is okay. Work out that email content calendar. And of course, when we say email content calendar, you're going to post the same stuff to social media. So we'll just let's call it our content calendar, in which we work out what our sales are going to be and how and when we're promoting them for Black Friday. And we'll revisit that question in the coming weeks. Yeah, certainly this is not the last time we're going to talk about this between now and then. If you have questions, let us know. Just reply to my emails, post in the group. And if you need assistance with this, with any of this, of course, you're welcome to apply on our website, ethercycle.com, and request a free 30-minute consultation. And that concludes this week's show. You have work to do, procrastinators. Get out of here. Go fix your stores. One final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable, feature-packed theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com slash turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com slash turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial ShopifyPodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.